Hello and welcome to Dialogue, the Diapoint podcast. I'm your host, Pam Durant. Today I am so excited to be interviewing Dr. Elham Al-Amiri. She's a pediatric endocrinologist who completed her medical degree at the King Faisal University in Saudi Arabia, and then she went on to complete an MSc at the Trinity College in Dublin, Ireland. She is qualified as a member of the Royal College of Pediatrics and Child Health in the UK. Her work ex- experience includes a position as a pediatric consultant at Al-Qasimi Hospital in Sharjah. She's also a member of a number of professional associations, including the Royal College of Pediatrics and Child Health in the UK, the medical, the Emirates Medical Association, the Emirates Diabetes Association, and the International Society of Pediatric Diabetes and Adolescents. Dr. Elham sees a variety of pediatric conditions such as pediatric diabetes management. She also provides dietary counseling, nutrition, growth, and development guidance. She is also, I believe, one of the first or the first female pediatric endocrinologist in the UAE. And she's so much more than her bio. She's doing so much. She's also one of the founders of the Friends for Diabetes organization. So she's going to share more with us about what she does there in her organization. And let's start the interview. So thank you, Dr. Elham Alamiri, for joining us today. I am so excited to have you on the show. Um, you were another one of those people that when I started the podcast that I said I, I wanted to interview you and talk to you, even though I've known you for a few years now. But I know there's a lot about you that I don't know and that the public needs to know. Um, so why don't we just start from the beginning? Can you please tell us a little bit about yourself? Hi, Pamela. It's really, uh, I'm really glad to be with you today. And um, yourself also, um, I like your personality because I told you this before, because you really are a good advocate of diabetes, uh, being a mother of a young uh, boy who is very strong and living a very nice life with uh, diabetes. So um, we are both together in this. You are as a mother and I'm as a doctor. We know what diabetes will be and we know the challenges that uh, people um, with diabetes and their families go through. So this is, before I talk about myself, uh, my name is Ilham Al-Amiri. I'm a pediatrician. And, and then I decided to specialize in diabetes and endocrinology. And I think you did the introduction in the beginning. And um, then after a few years of work, I felt that uh, it's not enough only to have, um, you know, these clinic meetings and just try to spread all the messages that you want in a very short time during the clinic. And it's not only about pediatrics, it's also the adults, um, because we knew that by that time when we started the Friends for Diabetes Society back in 2019, a few years before that, uh, we had very shocking news that UAE is the second worldwide in the prevalence of type 2 diabetes in adults. So I'm very happy that you mentioned and kind of the focus on type 2 there was a new article that came out. So we're recording this in December. This episode is going to run in February, but there was a new article that just came out in the US and it's US statistics, but it it is about food and super processed foods, not just processed foods, but what they refer to as super processed foods and obesity and type two diabetes. And even though we know this is an issue, the statistics were shocking. Um, I just want to highlight, for example, now this is an American statistic, but I'm mentioning it because here in the GCC, we do have, you know, quite a, a wide exposure to a lot of these American fast food chains and different foods and things like this. And it, it's very, it's very challenging to navigate it. Um, especially if, you know, eating healthy and eating well is not highlighted. And that's one of the things that Dr. Um, Elham's organization does um, for children is highlighting the importance of eating well. But for example, among children between two and five years old, one in 10 is already obese. And among teens, that number is one in five, one in five. And, and this, yeah. And because of all the exporting of super processed foods and the addiction, which is 
you know, I'm not using that word lightly. It is processed in a lab to make us crave more of it. And then we become addicted to these things and it's not good and it's not good for our children. And we, you know, try to, to feed, I'm sure every parent's doing their best to try to feed their child the best that they can and the best that they can afford. And it's, it's really hard, you know, even with my son. So I want to thank you for, you know, those programs that you're doing, you have, I know you have one where you go into schools and then you teach yeah. the kids about healthy eating. The, the, yeah, the superhero program. Yes, the, the the superhero program. I didn't want to put the, the wrong name with it, but I knew it was around a superhero. Tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah, so the superhero program, um, also we started many years back when we found out the obesity rates in the UAE children are really high compared to international figures. It's it's really shocking. So up to 25% are overweight and obesity. You can join them in one. So we say overweight and obesity is just a borderline uh, overweight and then comes obesity according to the uh, BMI uh, center. So it's quite high number, 35 to 40% of our children having weight issues. And uh, because we know the ethnic background here in this uh, area and the environmental factors makes type 2 diabetes much more common than other places, whether they are nationals or even expats. And uh, so those people who have obesity, they will continue, unfortunately, unless we change their lifestyles to be obese as adults. And we are seeing now worldwide, not only in UAE, that the type 2 diabetes is coming at a much earlier age. At teens, we have seen children as young as eight years, nine years with type 2 diabetes. And uh, the bad news is type 2 diabetes in children is worse than adults. So it's a more severe disease, more progressive disease with earlier complications. And the people think they are kids. We shouldn't be aggressive with the treatment. Actually, it's totally the opposite. Uh, the treatment should be very early and more aggressive than adults because we know about many uh, landmark trials like today's trial that the children are getting earlier complications compared to the adults with type 2 diabetes because it has not only because it started early, because the disease is more progressive and more severe. So we thought of doing something uh, by going to the schools and involving the school nurses first uh, in the workshop uh, every year. We do a workshop for them, explain everything about diabetes, about type 1, type 2, the healthy food, um, uh, dealing with hyperglycemia, high blood sugar, low blood sugar, and how to promote the healthy lifestyle. And then they will go and teach the children and uh, the superhero would be the children themselves who will pick up those informations and they have, again, to present it to us back in a competition like either a play in the school or an exhibition or um, a video clip that they have understood what we said and now they are promoting it in their own way. And we have four competitions, uh, four different types, categories of the competition, and we announce the winners at the end. So this keeps the kids engaged and we give them the special dress with the superhero, you know, this uh, outfit with uh, the scarf and the T-shirt. And uh, this makes them a bit more involved and more interested to know more about diabetes because there is a competition, there are prizes, and we put their videos on the social media. And very impressive, really, their work is very impressive, uh, what they do. So children, they're knowing better diabetes through these campaigns. And even we were honored by His Highness uh, Sheikh Mohammed bin Rashid about this initiative. We were very lucky that we were recognized. And even people from Abu Dhabi, from other Emirates, they, they wanted us to recreate this initiative and the other schools. So we are really open to more collaboration with either government or even the private sectors to help to reach out to more people and more schools. It's just about the time and the people are involved. Uh, the more people they help us, we can make the message wider. One of the things that we promote during this campaign is the rights of child with diabetes. So we have learned uh, that some schools are afraid to deal with children with diabetes. So either they deny them from entry to schools or they ask the mother to bring a nurse or uh, somebody to look after this kid. Uh, or they don't take them out with them to the school trips. And these all are like they are uh, not accepted because the child with diabetes is just like any other kid. 
You just need to know how to deal with him. And this is the responsibility. We have to look after the kids, whether they have chronic conditions or not. So if we go and teach them and if we go to talk to them, well, this is how we deal with high blood sugar. This is how we deal with low blood sugar. Then things will get better. This uh, fear will be broken and we can really uh, treat the child with diabetes like any other kid. Yeah, I love all of that. And especially schools is a real... I, I I don't know what the word is. I it's very it's a very emotionally charged subject for me personally because that after diagnosis, my son was diagnosed at 20 months old. So after diagnosis, that was the most frightening thing that I had to do was to leave my child at school with, under someone else's care. And I was always blessed that the schools where he went or the nursery, the nurses were so supportive sometimes like too supportive, like he loved to stay in the health office so much. And the nurses became his really good friends and they loved him. And, and especially as a young child, he got so much lovely attention, but that's not the case for everyone. And every year in our support group, there's always sadly one or two moms that's incredibly shocked, horrified, and upset that their child is denied. Um, Maybe even to the point where they've been accepted to the school But then after they went to talk to the nurse about how to manage type one, the school said, I'm so sorry, we can't do this. And how heartbreaking is that for your child when it's something that's very manageable? So, of course, everyone is supportive and we're sending links and, you know, helpful things. And and I always also tell the mom then, you know, this is the universe's way of showing you that this was not the right school for your child go check out some other schools. And once there was a mom who I said that to, and she went to another school, kind of like the second one on the list that they liked. And and this is a message just for all moms. If this happens to you and you do have choices about what school your child goes to, go find another school because this is not something that you want to deal with throughout the the education of your child. You want them to be included. But this one instance, the mom went to another school and the principal of the school had type one herself. And she was just overjoyed. Yeah. Yeah. Someone in administration had type one and it was amazing. And I said, see, this is why, this is why your child did not need to be in that other school. So, so they, it will have a happy ending. Um, I, I don't, yeah, people shouldn't, shouldn't give up in here, you know, in the, in the private sector, we, we have choices of where we can put our, our children. And sometimes it's, it's definitely not easy. And also, though, the education around type 2 diabetes and healthy eating and the superhero initiative is amazing. And I think it's something that I'm glad the other government's um, agencies saw saw it and understood it, because I think all schools should be doing this, really, because we're at the point now where early intervention and education is the best um, because we're we're fighting something really big that the, yeah. what will happen in the future to the younger generation is going to be much, much worse than what has already happened so far. And based on what you just shared with us, that is if they even make it to an older age because of all the complications they're having so young. As parents, if you, what do you recommend that parents can do to better educate and better support their children when dealing so, with yeah. these issues? So there are things that you cannot change. You cannot change your ethnic background, your, your family history, your age, but there are things that are preventable and you can't change it. First of all, the, let's have a look at the risk factors. Why do people uh, develop type 2 diabetes? So the risk factors is the ethnic background, their family history, for being born even very tiny, uh, this is an individual risk factor. Uh, these things you cannot change. But what you can change, of course, is your lifestyle. So the weight is the major issue. The overweight or the obesity is the most important factor. Develop type 2. This doesn't mean that lean people do not develop it. They can. But, of course, if you have an overweight uh, or, or obesity, the risk is, is exponential, especially if you have a strong family history of diabetes or if the lady herself had a history of gestational diabetes, which she, she would be at, at a risk of developing type 2 diabetes later in her life. And it's all connected. It's not only diabetes. There's also hypertension. There's also hyperlipidemia, high, high blood fats. 
there's also um, uh, metabolic syndrome, which is of the polycystic ovaries in the females with all the problems uh, around it. So it's all, uh, actually, it's uh, not only one disease, it's a syndrome that you can, you can have more than one problem if you don't have a healthy, a healthy lifestyle. Um, so if you start from the weight, if the mom can, can put in her mind uh, together with the father, of course, the, both parents should agree that as young as the child is, and he doesn't know about all this fancy stuff um, in the supermarket, why do we show them these things? So why, do we keep, don't, why don't we keep them uh, at least free from the processed uh, food and processed sugar for the first uh, four years of life before they know other people who eat this kind of stuff. So if we can see uh, very sadly that as young as two years or even less, they are living on chocolates, crisp ice creams every day because they think this is a treat and their child should be happy and should uh, eat these things. And many parents think this is a treat. Uh, and there is no harm from that. But actually, it's very harmful because it changes the taste buds first and the choices. And then when the child is eating chocolates and crisps and ice cream, you will not like to eat carrots and uh, cucumbers. So uh, it's always about the habits that you, that you teach your child in the very early years of life. Then when the child goes into school and if the school abets to the uh, regulations, they shouldn't have this kind of uh, unhealthy snacks or foods in the canteen. But unfortunately, till now, this is not 100% controllable in all of the, of the schools. So we can still see unhealthy food things uh, uh, like they are selling this to their children in the school. And this is one of the initiatives that we are working on. Um, so the first thing is to avoid the processed food, avoid the sugar and the fats and the junk food and all this uh, grocery stuff that are not necessary for the child to be happy. So please, they have the idea in their mind that I make my child miserable if I don't give him like other children. But you are giving them harmful, harmful things. How can you be, uh, you feel guilty about giving them about stopping harmful things. So it's all about what mentality they have in their mind. And of course, there is the peer pressure. Their cousins do that, and this is do that. Okay, you be the good model to the other cousins. I know it's not easy sometimes to implement, especially when they're living in extended home setting where uh, people visit all the time and they share all these good foods. And, you know, with the social media, everybody is tempted to try this restaurant and this food and with all this easy way to order the food to your home, this has changed our really uh, lifestyle to the worse. And we can see that whatever campaigns we are doing, it's still the diabetes prevalence is increasing worldwide. So if you don't start with yourself, this is not going to work, whatever we say. So why it's not, you should be the first to change this thing and then people will follow you. So first of all, look, very carefully what your child eats before he enters schools, and then watch for his weights. Once you see that the child is gaining some weight, you don't think that he looks cute and chubby. Ask the doctor about his weight and height and about his BMI. Is it in the normal range or no? And we are lucky that pre the corona, of course, the COVID era, uh, there were some uh, obesity prevention program and the nurses would pick up the, the children who have uh, overweight according to the BMI, and they would include them into obesity prevention program. But this cannot happen without the family. So the nurse will, will, for example, will tell the mother and the father that, look, their child is in the overweight category or in the obese category. But they have also to think on realistic solutions. So less time on less time spending on screen time, uh, playing on iPads and computer games, whatever. And more time outside, being active, uh, drinking water instead of juice and sugary drinks, uh, eating fruits and vegetables more than uh, the junk food that they, they order, uh, cooking healthy meals. This is the most challenging thing maybe to more of, most of the families because it takes more time to cook a healthy meal and to think about healthy recipes and tasty recipes 
than just to fry a sausage or fry chicken. Yeah. And, uh, or or using so. one of the apps on your phone to order yes, food, which order, is usually yeah. not so it healthy. Is, I is. know. I it's, it's more challenging. You have to do, but it's worth it. Uh, it's worth it if you spend some time and effort to have a healthy life for your for yourself and your child and to have life free of diabetes and of its complications. So checking the weight, uh, avoiding junk food, being more active, uh, restricting the time they spend on screens and uh, having good friends around them who have the same mentality. It's This is all very important. Uh, the usual stuff, the usual advice, but people don't follow it. I don't know what's, uh, what do you think, Pamela? What's the biggest obstacle that people find it difficult to follow these advices, although they see that they're having problems with uh, their health later on in their lives. I think it's hard. It's hard because it's, because it's hard and we're tired. I I think when on the days when, I mean, we eat pretty healthy, we always have. And I always say this on the show and Aaron's going to say this after I'm long gone from this world. I always say diabetes or not, Nobody needs to be eating junk food every day. That was the thing when he was young, because when he started going to school and when, especially primary school, you see how many kids are not always eating healthy. When he was in nursery, it was more, you know, they, they were a little more prescriptive and told, and everyone that was there, the parents were usually sending healthy things. If you ate in the school, the meal was very well balanced and very healthy. No junk food was allowed at all. But once you get in, you know, the older years, the primary school, elementary school, middle school, one day I picked him up and he said to me, he said, mommy, today for lunch, Ali had a bag of marshmallows. (laughs) And I was like, what? (laughs) I said, are you sure? I mean, and even still look at the discussion. I said, not snack. Like that's not even a healthy snack, but I was just praying that this kid was not having marshmallows for lunch. He's like, no, it was lunch. (laughs) So I think there's a few things happening. One, in in Dubai and Sharjah and UAE, we are blessed to have help at home. And sometimes we'll turn everything over to the nanny. If if you're a working mom, especially, or you have many, you know, you have more than one child or whatever your reasons are, moms are busy. Moms are extremely busy people and we're trying to do all the things. And it's, it's hard. That's why I say it's hard and we're tired. So if you have a nanny who is a people pleaser in your home, who has not been educated about healthy food, and you don't really look at, you know, oversight, oversight it very well, that nanny knows that her job is just to make your child healthy. And if your child's going to cry and scream because he doesn't have marshmallows and she's afraid of losing her job or the repercussions of making your child unhappy, she thinks she's doing a good thing by giving him a bag of marshmallows, which is in the long run, the worst thing she can do. So you want to educate the people that are working in your house. But the other thing is that, yes, we are so tired. And I find on the days when I'm feeding my kid junk food and he he can convince me to order a burger, you know, a hamburger for the, for the early years of his life, he didn't like meat. And I was like, so excited because I thought, okay, that's easy problem solved. I'm not saying all meat is bad. There is, you know, healthy lean cuts of meat and things that you can eat. But I thought this is fantastic because I myself don't personally like meat. I never have. And um, then one day he's like, I want a burger. I was like, you want what? A burger? Why? (laughs) So on the days when I'm really tired and he can convince me to have a burger and fries, then I, I know it's, you know, because we, we go we order the the healthiest burger that we can find that uh, go to a place or order from a place where you know that they're using maybe meat that is not so ultra processed because we're also very lucky here. There are a lot of gourmet burgers. They're not all cheap, but you might find something that's a little bit better. It might be better than the deep fried sandwich option or something else. So that's, that's one thing, but I find it's because we're so tired and it's so hard and it is hard. But once you organize your life and get used to it and get whatever help you have at home to help you plan for the week, shop for the week, don't keep the junk food in your home. I myself, I love potato chips or crisps, as they say in the UK. I can't keep them at home because I'll eat the whole bag. Like really, if if I have a craving, 
So I don't even buy it only on, you know, from time to time I'll, I'll buy it, but don't keep it in your home and just get it for a special occasion. So then that way you're not so tempted. And then if I'm hungry and it's not so much about the, the junk food itself, although it has its kind of addictive things about it, for me, it's more about the crunchy stuff. So I'll keep crunchy things in my house. That might be nuts. If you don't have a nut allergy, that might be fruits, that might be vegetables or something else. So I try to do that. But I think the reason why, you know, parents don't push it so much is because they're tired. And then when your kid at the end of the day is nagging you so much and you're, you're just so full of your own problems and challenges, it's, it's really hard. And I, I, and, you know, I, there's no easy answer, but we have to do it for the sake of our kids to, to make sure that they're, they're healthy. And then the healthier you eat, the better you feel. It'll, after a few days, you'll, you'll notice drastic changes in how you feel and how your kids feel and how they behave even. Exactly. And now a word from our sponsor. Today's episode is brought to you by Diapoint Coaching and Training. We offer different coaching packages to meet your different needs, whether it's a quick start health coaching package, or maybe a three month coaching transformation that you're in need of, we can support you. We also offer some personalized health evaluations, diabetes doula consultations, and more. Please visit the diapointshop.com and visit our coaching and wellness page to learn more. If you're still not sure, sign up for a free discovery call and we can talk more about what you're looking for, what your needs are, and about how coaching might support you. And it's free. Now back to the show. So it's a long subject to discuss because it's not only about diabetes, it's also about other, even, you know, when they spend long time on the screens, um, they don't, they get like disconnected from the real world. And we can see even some, many of them have like autistic like features and it improves when they get them away from the screen. So it's about also their mind and their soul. It's not only about uh, the diabetes and the weight issues. Um, it's very difficult, as you said, because the fast for the junk food, it's easy, it's cheap, it can reach you within uh, less than an hour, and it is tasty for them. It gives the, and you, you, as I completely agree with you, it's an addiction. It's uh, like if you're having your coffee or tea and or people are smoking. So especially the high sugar in the fizzy drinks, this is the worst thing that they can't put it in their stomach. So it's full of sugar and there's no nutritional whatsoever value in it. And it's even just destroys the, the bone structure because it has very high phosphate content. So it reduces the calcium deposition in the skeleton in the most time that they need to build their healthy skeleton. So it's not only about um, the sugar and lots of unhealthy stuff in it that can completely destroy your body from skeleton wise liver kidneys and change even the way of thinking and the way of you socialize with other people um if you just think about it for a while that well i know it's not a good option then what how can i do it in simple steps so you cannot radically change your old lifestyle just simple steps for for example order a smaller portion in the fact in the menu or kids meal and don't take the fizzy drinks or temporary until they get rid of this addiction and try to make them uh, full. So introduce healthy food. Don't remove the unhealthy in the beginning. If you can't uh, introduce healthy food. So in between snacks like cucumbers, fruits, vegetables, even if they don't like it, they can add some something to change its taste until they get used to it. So when the, the, the time of the meal comes, they are not very hungry and they will eat smaller portions. So there are a lot of tricks uh, that you can do to keep the stomach full because it's just an addiction of I have to eat now and then. The other important tip, and there are many <coughs> uh, uh, studies have proved that just staying up late in the night, this was, increases the risk of obesity. So sleeping late, even if you don't eat during the night, it disrupts your uh, ghrelin and your other hormones that are secreted from the stomach and from the brain. And it will uh, also the cortisol and many hormones and peptides are involved in satiety that uh, balance your satiety center uh, when you sleep early. So if you sleep late, this is another uh, risk factor of gaining weight. 
and uh, having resistance to insulin. The other thing is the continuous uh, stressing over this very, um, what can I say, harsh games. So it's the selection of the games also. If, if it involves lots of violence and lots of, of shouting, this will raise the cortisol and they will feel really in a hyper state and uh, they will try to calm themselves down by eating, again, some uh, super processed food, high sugary drinks, which will worsen the condition. They'll be even hyper, more hyper after they eat these things and they cannot even sleep. And then they, that's why they, they sleep late, especially during the holidays. And this is a vicious cycle that it needs to be broken. So you have to put some rules in the house. If you cannot control it fully in the beginning, uh, try to negotiate with your child, especially an elder child that keep nagging on your head. So let's have a deal with them. So you will spend uh, one hour on the uh, on the screen if you played, uh, 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 if you ride the bicycle for half an hour, you will play another 15 minutes if you do this activity. So we can do these deals. And then uh, some people like to put a chart uh, or an app and they collect stars at the end of the week and they can choose uh, whatever they want, but it shouldn't be treats from food, something else, a gift or something else. And I think the parents should set boundaries. The new parents now, compared to our parents, they like to be more like democratic, what we say, and allow the, the, the children to express their voices. This is something good, but Children are very smart. They know that they can, um, what we can say, blackmail you. <laughs> yeah, manipulation. <laughs> yes, yeah. they do. They're very good at way. it. Yeah, especially if he has current condition like diabetes, he will cry and say, why you, Why I'm different? <clears throat> why I can't live like other kids? And sometimes they are, they are uh, acting. It's not all the time. So sometimes they overdo it just to get your attention and manipulate you. So you have to, to have a balance. Uh, to say no sometimes and to put some rules in the family in the in the house what the time of sleep the time they spend on the on this on the ipads or your mobiles uh, the time you should be active the number of fruits per day the portion you should, should should do how many times you can order from outside shouldn't be daily um setting an example by yourself <laughs> having good habits uh, stop smoking and, and avoid smoking at least in front of them because smoking is one of the risk factors for diabetes, as we know, and for high lipids and hypertension, and uh, make them aware about the bad consequences of smoking. Because uh, children and teenage teenage uh, they are prone to be seduced to have to try this cigarette from their friends. So awareness about this that they should say no and they shouldn't try it because it's bad for your health. So this is uh, among the uh, education that. The parents should talk to their to their children, uh, even uh, very early. Uh, I say, like before the age of nine, even they should know about this. Um, also, many studies have shown that, uh, uh, of course, eating while playing on the or watching TV is associated very strongly with diabetes because then you are associating associating pleasure with food and with uh, watching tv or your favorite series or your favorite movie or playing games and then you cannot watch any movie or play any game without snacking so you have to break this this uh, association because then you don't have um, you don't have an, a portion for that as long as the movie is going on you keep snacking and snacking and snacking and it's just for the joy of it. It's not, not because you're hungry. Right. You, so, you lose sense of when you're full, too. Exactly. You don't even realize it. Exactly. And then don't put a big portion pots of just put something very tiny near you and finish it. And don't make it, uh, as you said, you don't buy it. If you buy it, you will finish it in one day. Even me. For example, yesterday I got a box of nice chocolates, which I like. It's my favorite oh. chocolate brand. It's a big chocolate box. So if I take it to home, me and my mom will sit and eat all the day. <laughs> so what I did, I just opened it and give it to all my uh, the the nurses and the people who are coming and not yeah. with the diabetes. I before. do that too. So next yeah. time I come visit you, I'm going to bring you some chocolate. I won't bring a big box, but I'll bring you my favorite one and we'll compare and see. 
because I I have and Aaron's also his favorite yeah, as well. Everybody has some crave. It's not like yeah, we have the perfect yeah. people who cannot say no. We don't eat junk food. It's not true. No, we're all human. Yeah. Just buy the. We're for me, human. I buy the yes. small box of chocolate with exactly. like two or three pieces, and that's it. Don't. I, when I go to supermarkets, I see mothers who are taking boxes of chips and crisps, and this what is called puffer, and boxes of juices. It's all in wholesale quantity, and they just put it there. So of course the kid will go and uh, look for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, this is this is one habit that we should break. It really. Yeah, people also I think are kind of misled that juice boxes are healthy. And I always tell people we have them because we use it to treat low blood sugar. It's like a medication, but at school parties, people think that they're bringing something healthy. And I say, you know, no, it's, it's just adding more sugar to a table. That's already mostly sugar. Any, anyway. So it's good you brought up this because I need to explain to the people who listen, why we think juice is not a healthy choice. So they say even the freshly squeezed juice, okay, if you compare it and regular juice to a freshly squeezed juice, of course, the freshly squeezed juice is better. But you can see in one glass of uh, orange juice, for example, you have to squeeze at least three or four oranges. And then we speak about each orange contains around 15 grams of sugar. And you are not taking the fibers, which is in the fruit itself. So it's just water and sugar. So you are taking around 60, 45 to 60 grams of sugar in one shot, and it will raises your insulin very fast. And this will cause more hunger later on. And you will feel more hungry because now your insulin is high. If the body is asking you to uh, eat more and your pancreas is exhausted. And this will lead later on to what's called insulin resistance and diabetes type 2. So Juice is not a healthy choice. If you're going to eat, to drink juice once in a, what, for example, once in a day or once in a few days, take it with a meal, not, not uh, just uh, juice by itself as a, as a whole snack. Try to uh, take something with proteins in it, like uh, egg, cheese, uh, chicken, or, or some nuts, just to not allow the sugar to go up very quickly in your, in your blood, because this will stimulate the secretion of insulin. That's amazing advice. And it's, it's so true years ago without even long before Aaron was born. And I never knew why at the time, because I didn't know much about diabetes, but fresh juice was always included in a, you know, kind of a breakfast thing, or I would drink it. And then I would have exactly what you're describing after I would be really hungry, or I would just feel really different and off. And it was from all the, you know, the sugar load in the morning and first thing in the morning, like the worst time as well. Um, what I do now, if I'm, I don't really do so many fresh juices. There's a few things that I do like, but at home I make a fresh green juice and we have that recipe on our website, but it has more vegetables than fruits in it. So we're putting celery and other things. And we have one of the slow rotating juicers where it's supposed to be better. You get more fiber and that does not cause spikes. And I did that for myself to get more vitamins and things in it. Um, it only has maybe two or three maximum green apples in it for just to give it a little more flavor, but it's everything else that's green as a vegetable that I can find like celery or spinach and, and all of that. We don't load it with too much fruit. Now, Aaron has not really embraced, you know, the, the flavor or the, the, yeah. the, ju- the juicing. He does eat vegetables like that juice. We also put cucumbers in it. Sometimes he'll eat cucumbers, but he's not in love with, with the juice. Yeah. Um, and that's, that's, that's okay. That's, 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 that's even better. That's even better. Yeah. So yeah, we that's better. to eat the whole, uh, fruit or the whole vegetable. Yeah. It's better. Product. And actually one thing, when you were talking about earlier, with the fast foods and the processed foods and how that's not good for your system. The other thing that it's destroying, there's a lot of research coming out about it now more than before is the microbiome or our gut, our intestines. And then that just affects. So every, everything else. So there's, there's so many reasons, you know, why we should be eating better. And I love that you talked about the juice, because this is a question that a lot of people often ask. The thing with the juice boxes is there's sometimes even very little fresh juice in it. It's often exactly. just sugar. Exactly. So thank you for that. And I want to I want to backtrack a bit because you you didn't exactly answer my first question. 
And the re and, and one thing that I've noticed about all of the, the rock star endocrinologists, as I call them, that are doing the most amazing things and, and helping people and, and doing things just like, you know, similar to what you're doing or really are leaders in the sector. We don't know your story because, because you're so focused on helping everyone else. Yeah, um, we don't which, like to talk about ourselves. No, we, you're, you're always so modest, but, but you're, we're so grateful for the work that you do and it's so important. So what got you interested in endocrinology? Yeah. I'll start with that question. question. Yeah, that's yeah. a good question. So it's, um, I don't know when did I decide exactly for endocrinology, but when I was studying medicine, I found it, it's very fascinating the way that hormone works and the receptors and different endocrine glands. Um, and then after I finished my, uh, my undergrads, uh, I went to do a master's in Dublin, Ireland. And then the head of the team was an endocrinologist, Professor Howie. Um, she's a very famous person. She's a very nice uh, lady. And then when I was sitting with her uh, in her clinic, uh, the way that she explained and the cases that I've seen, I just like the subject and I wait and then when and um, then also when I came back I realized that there there was nobody who's take looking after this um, there was no the subspecialties yet in UAE it's just general pediatrics most of the time so uh, when I came back to Sharjah Al-Qasmi hospital where I work um, actually the, my head of the department also he was very supportive he said why don't you um what do you think you can uh, subspecialize because you want to do subspecialty clinics? There are lots of chronic patients who don't have anybody to look after them. So I thought immediately about diabetes because really they were, nobody was looking properly. There were no protocols and there were no chronic care models for them. They were just being seen among the other general pediatric cases. So I said, okay, I will take on setting up the diabetes and endocrine uh, clinic, just even before I specialized in diabetes. So I started to uh, call the patients and put them together in one clinic and self-educating myself. And actually, I didn't go anywhere in the beginning to, uh, to, to learn it formal way. But I think I was maybe smart enough to do it on my own with uh, reading and calling and emailing people and asking. And then I thought, no, I have to go somewhere and train uh, because this is really serious things and I have to concentrate. So first I went to Saudi Arabia for uh, for a while and uh, they have amazing hospital there in Riyadh. Uh, it's the King Faisal uh, Specialist uh, Center and Research Center. And the team was amazing with all the difficult and unusual cases of endocrine and I get to know about the insulin pump. And then I went, uh, I came back and then again, I went to Manchester for a clinical fellowship. This actually, it was, I mean, I got it as a sponsored by the European Society for Pediatric Endocrinology. So even they paid for me. So because uh, I don't know, they saw me in the very eager to learn in the workshop that they were doing and they offered me this clinical fellowship. I was very lucky that I was among the few over the world to get to get this. And there I even concentrated more on the different endocrine diseases and uh, the, the way they approach the diabetes. So when I came back, um, uh, this has sharpened my uh, knowledge, of course. And uh, we started to build up our unit by adding more doctors and adding diabetes nurses and dietitians. And what we lack now is full-time psychologists. And this is very important to have a psychologist on board. Uh, but hopefully we're going to hire one soon. And uh, then during my work, I thought that working only as a doctor, uh, being very busy, uh, it's not enough. I need to do this something else to have more time for patients, education and awareness, and even the public awareness, not only about the patient, about the whole society in UAE. As I told you, I was alarmed by the figure that we are the second uh, commonest uh, prevalence of type 2 diabetes. This was in 2007. Um, and that's it. I, uh, we started and uh, we still are very ambitious to, to have bigger projects. And we look uh, and we call on people here who have talents in, uh, in marketing and uh, graphic designing and uh, directing movies. Anything can help us to uh, promote ourselves better and to know what the patients want to learn. 
and to be more effective in the way that people can really get convinced of what we say because people are listening to this all the time and it's not working. So we need to know what else we should do. I think keep doing what you're doing because change takes time. And there's some statistic out there that people need to do something seven times or a certain number of times before they actually embrace it. Sometimes, unfortunately, people don't change their habits until something really tragic or really big happens. There's that as well, but you all are doing an amazing job. And I think just keep, keep doing it. Yeah, and if, if, actually, actually, we see amazing results instantly, but we always look at the big picture, which we want the number to come to drop down. So we have lots of kids who lost weight uh, after they listened to us and they came to us and they thanked us that it's because of the program you told us about diabetes. We didn't know about diabetes. We don't know what is diabetes. You are just kids, you know. And now we are uh, we lost weight. We are more active. So uh, it's not uh, it's something uh, manageable, as you said, and possible. It's just once you decide uh, it's possible and try to look for solutions, you will get it. But if you stay in your chair and think, okay, next day, tomorrow, day after tomorrow, I don't have time. Then at the end, as you said, you will end up by something tragic that suddenly you'll discover you have a health issue um, because of sitting for a long time. It really gives you uh, lots of health consequences. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it uh, it does. And a lot, I was surprised too. I've spoken to a few teen groups before um, in some schools I was invited and I was really surprised at how many really didn't know what, as much as I thought I expected them to know about nutrition. Um, So there, there is a lot of work to do. Like I remember I showed them a picture. I brought in some different things for comparable like I'm sure you do that too about, you know, you can eat this many bananas or you can eat yes. this many, many donuts. And I didn't bring it in, although I really am so tempted. You could like the equivalent of calories and, and sugar. If you were to have one donut, how much, yeah. how much spinach is that? And it's like bags of spinach. Yeah, exactly. And the look, the look on their faces was yeah. just, they were, they were shocked. So these kind of programs that you're doing are yeah, just amazing. Even, even- even adults, they don't know. For example, they think that uh, cornflakes, that cereals, uh, you know, oh. the, the regular ones are healthy breakfast. Actually, it's the one of the worst uh, unhealthy breakfast you can have. Cereals are, are evil. Yeah. If yes, there was an independent crazy. study about cereal, I, I yeah. really, really wish this would be studied because I think cereal only, and I only know this because I've seen it in my child's blood sugar, because I can watch it on the few occasions when he's had cereal and the spike. And I, I think cereal needs to be studied as a separate thing on its own, because I would not be surprised if that is the result of so much insulin resistance in adults is that they ate cereal all the time. There's other things we can have for breakfast. And actually when they ask me, so how, how should I give my child with type one diabetes cereal? I said, don't. The answer is don't. Whatever yeah. you do around the cereal, it will just spike the sugar, especially those who put the sensors, they can see the days that they take cereal, how much fast and high the blood sugar just rises. Yeah. It's, it's a disaster. There's yeah. only one that I found that doesn't cause a spike, but I still don't like it because it's mass produced. Um, it's probably a little bit of, you know, created to be addicting and it's refined at the end of the day. And then I started reading that they use a lot of pesticides on to to mass produce something. So, so we really, really don't, um, we try not to have, you know, cereal, the full full grain, healthy cereals, but again, you should No, they're, they're not good. Yeah. Yeah. We make our own granola. Now we have a recipe for that on our website as well. I make, uh, our own granola that can be carb loaded, but it's much more healthy than a box of cereal. And especially the ones that are geared toward kids, just um, they're, they're not good for, for anybody or anyone. So it's getting late in the day. And I'm mindful that you have probably patients that are waiting to see you and people that need you. So I can talk to you all day. And I think there's a lot of work to be done. Um, By the time that you're listening to this podcast, it'll be really close to the time, or maybe just shortly after that, I will be running the rack half marathon for friends for diabetes. 
So I'm going to say, you know, running for our friends and you will be able to go to the Diapoint shop. That's diapointshop.com. You'll be able to go to their website and make a donation to Friends for Diabetes if you would like. You don't need to purchase anything, but this is the easiest way for us to support Dr. Elham and all the lovely work that her and her colleagues are doing. It's it's amazing. And also, I believe that my um, my business development manager is also going to run it with me. So Team Diapoint is going to be in the Rack Half Marathon in February, running for Friends for Diabetes. We're super excited about it. Um, can't wait. But if you can support the organization with what they're doing in other ways, as Dr. Elham said, they need support for, you know, marketing um, and, and doing the other things that they're doing. If you'd like to get involved, it's a really lovely organization. And I know that that support would be much, much needed and very much accepted. So Dr. Elham, thank you so much for joining me this morning. And thank you for everything that you're doing. It's, it's just amazing. I don't know how you have time to sleep. Thank you. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank you so much. This was such an eye-opening discussion. Um, And actually, Dr. Elham and I, when we talked about what we were going to talk about, we thought we were going to focus more on type 1 because that does affect a lot of children. That affects my son and so many others. And it's such a huge topic. But we can't ignore this fact that there is a growing number of children that are facing the issue of pre-diabetes or type 2 diabetes and obesity. This is something that we have to work so very hard to address. And it's, it's not easy by any means. Raising a child is not easy. And raising a healthy child is very difficult. It takes a lot of diligence. It requires us as parents to understand and research and get a little more educated than our parents were about food because the reality is there's a lot more unhealthy choices than when we were young. And so we have to help our children navigate that. Um, So please, please reach out to Dr. Elham or Friends for Diabetes if you have any questions about how to do that. I'm sure she has so many resources in English and Arabic that can be of support. And please also reach out to us at Diapoint if you have any questions. We are here for you. Thank you so much for listening to the show today.